Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Starseed Radio Academy, empowering Starseed to better serve the planet. Welcome to Starseed Radio Academy. It's Tuesday, November 1st, 2022, and I'm your host, Arielle Taylor, with my co-hosts for the evening, Lavendar and Anastasia. If you didn't get a chance to listen to our show from September 6th, be sure you look for it in our on-demand archives here on Blog Talk. You'll hear some great news that can really benefit Starseeds and their missions. Tonight, we are presenting Lavendar's trickster material. There are so many types of trickster energy from harmless practical jokes to insidious interference and misdirection that it's more important now than ever to benefit from the training that Lavendar was given by the Pleiadians. This information took her many years to compile because she had to experience each different kind of trickster energy firsthand, and believe me, that wasn't easy. But now we can all benefit from the work she's already done and master Trickster before it masters you. You can find more of Lavendar's light information on our website, starseedhotline.com, in our Vault of Knowledge. And please make note, we will be away for our Pleiadian lineup, Starseed Quest to Arkansas. So our next show after tonight will be Tuesday, November 22nd. And remember, Pleiadian lineup will start on late on November 16th through the 19th. At the top of the show, it's Anastasia's Starseed News, bringing topics of interest and hope to starseeds that you won't hear in the mainstream. And our main website, as I said, is starseedhotline.com. The Stage 1 Starseed confirmations are based on Lavendar's discovery of star markings and your natal astrological chart, and the Stage 2 session is a one-on-one Zoom session. Lavendar has now retired from doing sessions so she can finish her book and continue writing for Starseeds. And remember, if you have a birthday coming up, you're going to get a window of 10 hours of power. You can find out exactly when it happens by requesting your solar return timing. You can order that one or two weeks before your birthday. But if you want a reading of that chart, please order the Stage 2 about two months before your birthday so that you can get that session before your birthday happens. So first up tonight, I would like to introduce Anastasia with her fascinating Starseed News. Hello, everybody. Good evening, Ariel. I am happy to be with you tonight. Yeah, we've got some fun stories. First up is an astronomy article about astronomers who have discovered something they call a fluffy planet that has the density of a marshmallow. Astronomers <laughs> have found a yeah, isn't that something? Astronomers have found a Jupiter-sized planet with the average density of a marshmallow that they tell us would also float if it were hypothetically put in a giant cosmic bathtub. Really? Astronomers using the Kitt Peak National Observatory Telescope in Arizona found that it located approximately 580 light years from Earth in the constellation of Auriga the Charioteer. This is cool. I didn't even know there was such a constellation. Me either. Auriga the Charioteer. 
The planet is identified as T01-3757b, and this planet finishes one complete orbit around its host star in only three and a half days, 25 times uh, less than the closest planet in our solar system, Mercury, that only takes about 88 days to do so. Talk about time going fast. Wow. Uh, yeah. Three and a half days. <laughs> okay, potential future <laughs> observations of the atmosphere of this planet using NASA's new James Webb Space Telescope could help us shed light on this fluffy nature, said the author of the study. You know, they don't know what this is. Uh, they don't know what it is. They say finding more such systems with giant planets, which were once theorized to be extremely rare around red dwarfs, is part of our goal to understand how planets form. They don't know much about why it's puffy. It is located next to a giant red planet, red dwarf, and they're trying to figure all of this out. But one thing they know for sure, it is white as can be, marshmallow density. We can't we think of planets as being dirt and rocks and minerals and yeah. all the heavy stuff. Not this one. They don't mention that it's a gas planet either. So I don't know. Anyway, there you go. And um, I love this story. I think most of us love bird song. And, you know, one stern Sonberg might not make a summer, but they found out that seeing or hearing birds improves mental well-being. Well, we've known that all along, but now they have studied it and found that to be so. The study was led by academics from King's College in London. They also found that everyday encounters with birds boosted the mood of people with depression as well as just everybody else. The researchers said that the findings suggested that visits to places with a wealth of bird life, such as parks and canals, could be prescribed by doctors to treat mental health conditions. They added that their findings also showed the need to better protect the environment and improve biodiversity in urban, suburban, and rural areas in order to preserve bird habitats. Uh, Speaking of that... um, I've often thought about letting the backyard grow wild and plant, you know, um, things like, uh, well, just different kinds of plants for the birds to thrive from. And I've read about many people that are starting to do that now. They're just putting in, uh, you know, different kinds of plants that birds like. They're not even having any lawn anymore because they want to see the birds, and the birds need the food source, and they need those environments to thrive. So think about it. It's kind of the latest thing. And anyway, in cities, we need more bird habitat. So they say that, um, by the way, this was published in the journal Scientific Reports. They tested over a couple thousand people in this. They just did it. They just finished the study. They said that over the course of two weeks, the participants in the study from all around the world were prompted to record how they were feeling, including whether they were happy or stressed, whether they could see trees, and whether or not they could hear birds or see them. Well, the researchers found that the participants' average mental well-being scores went way up when they saw or heard birds, including among those who disclosed that they had been diagnosed with depression. This beneficial effect also lasted beyond the moment of encountering birds, with higher levels of mental well-being noted by participants who did not see or hear birds the next time they recorded their mood. Um, Hmm. So it has a little bit of a lasting effect. However, after that, uh, it it starts to go down. So we need to hear birds often. Um, Once in a while isn't enough. If you hear birds one day, it'll help you the next day. But after that, you better hear some more birds because depression's coming back. 
They said that we need to create and support environments uh, where bird life is a constant factor. To have a healthy population of birds, you also need plants, you need trees. We need to nurture the whole ecosystem within our cities. Now, this doesn't come as any surprise because most people uh, has a, have a reaction of joy when they hear birdsong. But one professor said, birdsong would have once been the natural soundtrack to all human life. And I do think that it's embedded somewhere deep within our psyches. It is associated with spring and renewal and good times coming, which is just one of the reasons why we need to address this nature crisis and ensure that nature does not fall silent. A lot of bird populations are dying off. It's, you know, I see so much movement in my research for the news around the world where people are becoming so nature conscious. Ecosystems and cities, people just really getting it now. They're getting it. And um, studies like this support these kinds of actions. Um, you go to your city uh, council meeting and, you know, you want to encourage uh, plant life or trees in your city, and they kind of roll their eyes, and you pull out a study like this, and these all accumulate, and it gets action in the right places when we're informed and we pursue this kind of uh, nature-oriented pursuit, and it all can only benefit humans. You know, there are a lot of studies right now about or a lot of talk, anyway, about uh, mental illness among the American population. And we have become so embedded in our couches and inside of our houses and our faces and our devices and become such an indoors kind of uh, living environment. So many people now don't, don't listen to the birds, don't even get any exposure to birds or even nature of any kind. So it's time to turn around and... If you're feeling blue, try to get some bird song. You know, you could actually get those sound machines that play bird music. Not bird, listen to me. That play bird sounds. I'm sure you've heard of those, haven't you, Ariel? Oh, sure, yeah. Yeah. So if you can't find any birds around, get something with bird song. Bird song. It's going to help you out and make you feel better. I know it does me. Well, here's a story about a woman who has done some wonderful stuff, something you might not ever think about doing. Now, everybody has a purpose and a mission and a gift to give. I think about the beautiful star seeds out there when I find these articles. I think about all the potential for change this our beautiful people can bring to this planet. And each one of you has your own unique gift and perspective, perspective excuse me, and uh, ideas and motivation, soul path, your mission to make changes and healing uh, in this world. And here's a woman who came to understand that poverty brings with it just loads of challenges, and not the least of which is a strain, really it is a strain, for refugees from other countries who come to your country or any country who have no clothing. And they have to sort through these enormous clothing donation bins. And many of them have large families, and they have to find the right size wardrobes for themselves and their families these immense piles of clothes. One particularly sensitive woman decided that that was really tough. That was something she could do something about. She could be helpful. She thought that female refugees deserved better than a bag of random cast-offs. And so this woman, who is a Cambridge educator and a volunteer at a migrant refugee camp, had an idea. In fact, she made a solution. She created something called Give Your Best, and it's an online shopping site 
that allows women to choose from an array of donated clothing posted by volunteers. Of course, all the clothing is free and can be shopped on the site's Instagram page. Once they choose their clothing, the items are shipped for free within the United Kingdom. And since its launch, more than 700 women seeking asylum or with an uneasy immigration status have claimed over 7,000 items. Isn't that creative? That is so cool. Oh, it's yeah. a wonderful thing. Wow. I mean, how creative. How wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard enough Here's to be another. a refugee. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Could we even imagine such a terrible thing? Yes. And in Italy, there's another individual who's trying to make a difference, one person at a time. Now, in Italy, they have a problem, really have a problem, with reports of hate crimes. They've steadily increased in Italy since 2014. It's fueled by incendiary populist politicians who are reacting to an influx of refugees, by the way, speaking of refugees. So it's caused a lot of unrest and a lot of violence. And in Verona, there's a street artist who goes by the name of Sibo, which, by the way, in Italian means food. And his art is being celebrated for his creative countermeasures to um, graffiti that's hateful. He said, Verona is a beautiful city, but it's a big problem with the far right. So whenever he encounters swastikas and other racist graffiti, you know what he does? He paints over them with colorful depictions of his favorite food. Things from cupcakes to pizzas, hot dogs, ice cream cones, you name it. Well, his art has two positive effects. The extremists, of course, often spray paint over his cheerful food pictures, but that doesn't stop him. He just goes back and repaints over their hateful messages once again. Usually, they give up. And the other positive improvement is it is the paintings are awakening Verona citizens to the seriousness of the problem. People said, before I started this, uh, people have been so used to seeing these messages, they didn't really see them at all. Now people are beginning to see and to understand the problem. So for this artist, food is a natural corrective to hate. He said it represents a language that connects people and cultures. He said food is about union and sharing. We are all equal around a table. Everybody has to eat. One person, a paintbrush, a, you know, a lovely attitude. Wow. I'd be happy to see yeah. a, you know, a wall picture of cupcakes or pizza, ice cream cones. <laughs> It's great. In Morocco, uh, in Tangier, a child uh, born in the late 1970s uh, made it her personal mission to save strays from the tortures of animal control. When she was eight years old, she volunteered at an animal charity and saw firsthand how the city's lack of vaccination, its failure to neuter, uh, exacerbated the challenge of too many pets. She said, when I was a little girl, I'd go home and cry and say, this isn't right. I promised myself that I would change my country, and that promise stayed with me. Well, in 2012, after raising her family in the U.K., she went back to Morocco to care for a sick parent. She also decided to make good on her childhood vow. She founded an animal sanctuary. It's located just outside of Tangier, currently home to more than 450 dogs, 100 cats, 48 donkeys, two wild boars, an ape, two storks and a mule, among other tiny creatures. 
The sanctuary, which receives its funding from donations, is run by 14 employees, half of whom were once homeless and now live on the site. They collect stray animals, get them neutered and vaccinated, and bring them back to the sanctuary. Caring for dogs takes up most of their time. There's an estimated 3 million stray dogs in Morocco today. In their assessment, poverty and cultural beliefs often set the country's stray animals and residents against one another. Can you imagine that? Now, to date, she and her team have treated, neutered, and vaccinated more than 3,000 dogs. And during the pandemic, they delivered food and essentials to the city's homeless population and its starving strays. This dear woman believes her work has ultimately helped people to feel more sympathy for animals. She said it connected people to their plights, and now the people care more. Oh. Just think about that. I mean... You know, one person can make a difference. They can. They absolutely, any one of us can. You know, I think the key is following your inspiration and what your heart tells you and then following through with it. Yep. Absolutely. It is really important. None of us is minimalist when it comes to this stuff. We're all important and can all do big things. Well, here's a story that is so, I love this stuff. comes out of Canada. Now, I want you to imagine a city that grows most of its food on its very own rooftops. See the city in your mind and look up at the top of the building and look at what you see. Tomatoes are on the vine year-round, even in the dead of winter. Well, that's, now this is in Canada, and that's the idea behind something called Lufa Farms, which operates four rooftop greenhouses in and around Montreal and delivers more than 25,000 fresh vegetable baskets 25,000 every week. It was founded uh, mid-century by a couple, man and a wife, who um, decided that urban farming could grow crops where people live without using any new land and deliver food without the carbon footprint of long-distance transportation. Now think about this. In Canada, 92% of imported produce travels more than 1,500 kilometers. Excuse me. She said, when you buy a tomato in the winter, you're probably getting one that's been trucked in from California or Mexico. She said, we believe we deliver ours right to you the day after it's been picked. They use hydroponic technology. It helps their greenhouses operate sustainably. It recycles about 90% of the water used by the plants. And in lieu of pesticides, they use ladybugs and parasitic wasps to devour the aphids and other pests. Now, they use residual heat from the buildings below, and each farm requires half of the energy of greenhouses on the ground. Meanwhile, the company's programmers keep operations nimble with greenhouse automation. Software manages delivery logistics while allowing customers to tailor their own baskets, choosing from 50 varieties of fruits and vegetables, plus other items like bread and cheese uh, made from local producers. This farms is, these farms are one of many similar urban farming projects around the world with commercial greenhouses and gardens springing up in places like London, Paris, and New York. Analysts predict city-grown crops could eventually make up 10% of a global food supply, and I would hope even more. That's incredible. Human beings can be yeah. so creative, and, and it's far out. Well, here's a story that... I wanted to share with you because it really is remarkable. Now, 
if you listen to much news, and probably most of you are sensible enough not to, but if you do or if you're informed, which I have to be for this program at least, um, homelessness is a big issue everywhere. But in the States, it's a real problem and increasing. Um, and uh, there, nobody knows what to do with these people. Uh, it's, it's, a pro- well, it's a problem. And yet, you know, we see billionaires paying for their rockets to the moon and whatever else. They buy this, they buy that. And yet still there is so much... Uh, so many people in the world that get ignored. Well, here's a story about, again, a man and a woman, specifically the man, who made who has made a huge difference in the lives of thousands of people. This is a micro-home village in Austin, Texas. And it is ending homelessness for hundreds, even thousands of people. It's being promoted as the country's only master plan development for people coming out of homelessness. And they're coming out of homelessness because of this man. His founder is named Alan. He refers to the residents of his Community First Village. That's what it's called, Community First Village. He says they're neighbors. And he's speaking to to the community created in this subdivision of tiny homes, micro-homes, and RVs soon to expand beyond its 51-acre plot in East Austin. Now, Alan was a former outreach worker to the homeless, and he says, I started developing pretty deep relationships with homeless men and women. I spent about 250 nights out on the streets myself. And this whole movement started when Alan helped set up one homeless man with an RV to live in. Then he did the same for several others. And after a time, he secured 27 acres of land on which to build. Today, his project has grown to a community of about 350 occupied units. And a bunch of those people, 50 of them or so, have moved in just to volunteer. Alan and his wife uh, live in a modest community home in this little subdivision among their formerly homeless neighbors, which is a stark and huge contrast from the Westlake neighborhood that they lived in for 34 years while he worked making big money in real estate. They now say that Community First is the best neighborhood they have ever lived in. They moved out of their high expensive home into the community for homeless to be among them and to run this operation. Now there have been high dollar donations to expand their community. They got a $36.6 million grant that goes now toward the creation of additional 1,400 homes for the homeless. The city of Austin has chipped in some money. The community itself, the little town, generated $1.2 million last year through the various micro-businesses inside this little village, employing a number of its residents in the process. Now, get this. They have an art studio, including two kilns for firing pottery and a jewelry-making station that provides artists in their little community a creative outlet. They they also have what is essentially a tiny home hotel created right near the entrance, which serves as vacation rentals for people visiting Austin, and the residents serve positions to make that business work. There's even an auto shop on site where people can bring their cars in to be repaired. There's a grocery store, a health clinic, a community garden that grows vegetables and shares, and an outdoor amphitheater so they can have plays and such. Now, residents are expected to pay their way, though rent and utilities are scaled to enable homeless people to transition into life 
at the Community First Village. Now, these people, these residents, get this, average nine years on the streets before getting into these little houses, and anywhere from 70 to 80 percent are receiving either federal disability, Social Security, or veterans' benefits. Now, to show you how much these founders care, I mean, this was done with love, okay, love. Each new house, little bitty house, is furnished and even decorated with the resident's preferred color palette and tastes. And once a resident is in, that person can stay as long as they can maintain their rent and utility payments and live civilly among their neighbors. A manufactured tiny home will cost a resident 440 a month, and a micro home, even smaller, it's a little bedroom with a microwave and a fridge, shares bathrooms that are clean, community bathrooms, they have locked dolls and so on, well cared for. Anyway, that's about 300 days. The founder says, this is beautiful, we provide a destination. So it's here now, and people are coming to us. Then he said, we get to contrast between hopelessness and hopefulness. Wow. Well, you know, there is a solution, really, America. It's everywhere. We have answers to problems. You know, the only thing missing is enough people that care and enough people with the money to exercise that, to solve the world's problems. It's very easy to do. You just have to have a heart, a conscience, and a soul. And I'm preaching to the choir because all of you stars (laughs) are full of heart and soul and consciousness. And I love you all so much. And I, I share these stories with you because I do want you to understand what you can do. So... Dream but dream big. You know, in the Hopi tradition, in fact, in the whole Native American tradition, we are advised that when we ask for things for ourselves, we make sure that we ask for things for the world, that we are always including the world in our blessings and in our pleadings and in our good thoughts and in our imaginings. You know, while we're trying to create perhaps a new reality with a new car and a new house, don't you dare leave out the world. Don't you dare leave out the needs of other people. We're all in this together. And all of your creative energy, all of your visualization, all of your beautiful imaginations, you know, the soul in your heart, the energy of your life is here to share, to make the world better, and you will be the main benefactor of such a use of your personal power and spiritual authority to pave the way for a new world. There are men. We're going to talk about trickster energy tonight, and Lavendar knows everything about that. You know, there are opposition everything and so we are the counter to that and we can be what we dream as long as we remember to dream for others because that's how the cosmos works it's all about balance and it's all about unity and so when we're in the flow anything is possible from my heart to each one of you much love everybody and I'll see you on the 22nd okay and as always I'll miss you yeah Thank you so much. I don't know. You, I know it's really hard to find stories on the internet, uh, you know, because they are they are kind of scarce. But I mean, that's very no inspiring idea. to hear. Thank you. What, well, there is good stuff. Yeah, yeah, there's good stuff. But you care enough to find it, and we appreciate that. Well, thank you so much. I do admit it's getting tougher and tougher, but that makes the light shine all the brighter. I'm reminded, you know, that even when the The sky is cloudy and it's raining like heck. The sun is still shining out there somewhere behind those clouds. 
That's right. And it is. And it's always shining. So all we have to do is know that, live by that. Thank you, Ariel. Thanks so much. I'll see you in three weeks. Yeah. Bye-bye. Okay. All right. So um, let me get switched over here. And now the trickster material from Lavendar. My name is Lavendar, and I have been working on the subject of trickster for many, many years. In fact, I have worked on this so long, and I'm not even sure that I'm through with it, but I am going to share uh, part one called Trickster with my radio audience. Trickster, a quote from Jamie Sam's Indian Medicine Cards. Coyote, you devil, you tricked me once more. Must I sit and ponder what you did it for? Trickster Coyote. Trickery is not the same as magical. Trickster shapeshifts reality in order to turn a window, usually without any intentional responsibility. Trickster creates chaos and manifests havoc in the middle of a storm. Trickster promises you the moon, then gives you the taste of the moon, then pow! Total eclipse. When one gets this close to the moon, it becomes an insatiable quest to have it just one more time. POW, P-O-W, then takes on a new meaning as in prisoner of war. And nobody said what prisoner, what prison would look like, did they? Trickster will manifest as a card game. Trickster will deal you four aces and show you the fifth ace up their sleeve, which is usually tied to some cherished outcome that they knew that you never got to achieve. They will hold the knowledge of this, or perhaps even better, the power of this action. Whatever it is, they won't give it to you. And in some shamanistic practices, we'll find others to safeguard this knowing, and we'll monitor and set forth runners to keep whatever cherished outcome just out of your reach. Spiritual lessons seem to be more important than effectiveness. Thus, cherished outcome becomes a barrier for any effectiveness to take hold. Trickster can make you laugh, although your face may be cracking from the pain. But laughter seems to be the only healer at the high point of recognizing this energy called trickster, or the Native American Indians call it coyote. Trickster never seems to learn from the last trick played on them or someone else. They're trickster addicts. The more coups, the more excitement. They are trickster junkies and live in a world of comedy of errors. Holy trickster. Now, this trickster in the name of holy is something to behold, all right. The hole in this divine donut will appear to be a spirit guide, guardian angel, master KTPZRT, or some voice, or better still, God himself. Their teachings set you up for your own good, you understand. These characters wearing whatever disguise will make it their business to keep the sabotage running in your soul in the name of 
holy teaching medicine. They have fine-tuned this trickster energy to such sheer perfection of sabotage that when the boomerang comes home, they will become totally surprised and through their great judgmental eyes will declare, well, that's a psychic attack. This is when sabotage meets self-sabotage and doesn't even know the difference. They cancel their own place in life and never know it. Their ego or superior authority never seems to allow them the courtesy of tracking their own energy moves when it comes to this kind of trickster energy. It seems that when God tells them some divine message and they perform it, then whatever happens then comes from God. This could be called trickster cop-out. How can one tell a holy trickster? Well, you know the ones with a lot of religion running through their soul records. Sometimes one can catch it by looking deep into their eyes, for the mirror of their soul reflects their true intent. However, they seem to not hold a gaze for very long. Divine Trickster This is an offshoot energy of runner of Holy Trickster the one with the divine navel attached to every living, breathing cord of your reality system. Just when you think you are getting a grip on reality, they somehow come along and slip you a divine Mickey and call it some cosmic mystical name, and then they just move on. And there you are, just sitting there, contemplating your own navel, and somehow you know that rebirthing, acupuncture, regression, yoga, astrology, and meditation never heard of this one. This divine naval experience may take you to the edge of your sanity. When this happens, will you have enough will or power to jerk yourself out of the clutches of this divine trickster? What price of spirit are you willing to pay? And by the time you pay it, who will care? The only ones that will care will be the trickster addicts who in unison will say well it was God's will or well it, I guess it was meant to be or better still they will open their trickster mouth and let you know that they had something to do with your great lesson which may or may not be true who are they and how much power do they hold masters hold this kind of knowingness and power but few ever verbally say so they know the power of their words can boomerang on them, so discernment is a must at this level of knowingness. Are there any great masters reading this? Seduction Trickster You want to know about the bend in the road? Well, bend over and grab both your ankles. Here comes the big cosmic dildo of the sky. This seduction trickster is so masterful, alluring, and seems so magical that you actually lose a grip on your life force. You don't know that at first. You're too charmed by the hypnotic gaze of this fascinating snake. This seduction energy has curves and angles of space that promises you paradise, and by the time it zigs and zags through your life force, taking everything dear and sacred, you then discover that you've been slimed and snaked by seduction. When this lesson is over, if it ever is, 
snake will come to mind whenever you see it again. This kind of seductive snake will make the art of, or act in art of zigging and zagging an art form. Wait a minute. This kind of seductive snake will make the act of zigging and zagging an art form. They get so good at it that they can duplicate your mind and will engage in mental masturbation just for the fun of it. Make a mental note about how many symbols of snakes are in your memory or family tree, or how about all the healing symbols with the snakes attached, and how many times have you been forced to swallow your true feelings when the subject of snakes comes up in a conversation because you're just not sure if you'll offend some fellow healer or practitioner because, after all, of the myths through the years about snake power and how, how wonderful and how transformative they are, etc., etc., blah, blah, blah. This master mistress of seduction while inside your brain will find every known or unknown trick that has or hasn't been a part of your life's experience. The term mind F becomes part of their pattern in most of their relationships. Some even line up to experience this great art form of seduction. This can become another form of addiction, or some would refer to it as, well, just doing what comes naturally. This great seduction trickster will lie in the grass of your reality system and will wait until you least expect it, then gotcha becomes everlasting in your conscious or unconscious moments. If these tricksters don't succeed upon first brain contact, they'll put it on hold for a future date when you least are expecting it. After the entire coup or the excitement of gotcha could become a rush to the system. Some use it for the pump to life force. Others tie it to group activation of cosmic concerns and only use it as a vehicle of information or maybe misinformation. Just depends on where they have you in their seduction frequency band. They collect different religious concepts attached to your genetics or bloodlines and they start weaving it from there. These masters of seduction can make time travel their ally and can literally project past, present, and future realities through these abilities. Many so-called channelers or spiritual and galactic messengers fall prey to these concepts. And it is from here that most of them crash sooner or later. After seduction trickster gets through with the mental aspects of your waking or not so waking moments, then they'll turn to your emotional system. You know, the one that is attached to your heart. Now here comes the real trickster and mobster form after the pump of your heart. The ultimate pump. The life force of rhythm that keeps mind, body, and spirit together. They will penetrate your emotional feeling system and begin to duplicate it and make you think that they have the same set of emotional systems as you. And of course, you fall for this because after all, you've been looking for this all your life. They get to know your pleasure pain buttons to ever known or unknown addiction. They'll masquerade this as the great love of your life and better still will convince you 
that they have returned from a previous lifetime to claim you as their soulmate. This is the ultimate coup. And you being trusting and terribly in love can't figure out that you have just been snaked into another reality. Seduction trickster will even penetrate, duplicate an addiction that will seem like it is nurturing. That sing-song soft voice hypnotically trancing you with words and energizing your sexual creative process suddenly makes you a play in this snake dance. This will surely be a sign from God because, after all, it's so empowering. You know the one you must have or else. You can get so dependent on this sensation, seduction, whether it be empowering or nurturing, it makes no difference. You'll do almost anything to have it and protect it. You'll do this because all real reasoning has left you. That old saying, love is blind, and in this case, love is blind and stupid. So now you have it. The seduction trickster that encompasses the mental and the emotional aspects. But what about the end result of seduction ending up in the sexual arena of creative sacred spiral? This is the place of the highest violation of sacred womb space. Or in the case of a man, his highest point of exaltation as in seeding or creating life force. But for now, let us look at the sacred womb space and see what the snake energy has been allowed to do through the sisterhood of woman power. This snake energy comes in the form of some nurturing living energy akin to mother, sister, child, or some other hooded disguise. The deception is so clever that one cannot see the snaky, slimy, slippery energy for what it really is because the rose-colored glasses have designer Bambi engraved on them and your innocence is being trampled upon and it may be a while before you ever figure it out if you ever do this kind of seduction trickster played out by women has caused the female principle to be scorned throughout the history of the planet so when a man or a woman violates sacred womb space then it creates a wobble in genetics that takes sacred spiral to distortion and maims the participants. They in turn will be held accountable for warps in the bloodlines and the generations to come. Women need now to reclaim their sacred womb space and treat themselves with nurturing aspects of male and female creative spin. Reconciliation of the sexes is now at hand. This was written in September of 1991. Not much progress has happened with the reconciliation of the sexes. In fact, in some areas of the world, it's gotten worse. One of the signals to look for after an encounter with a seduction trickster is to see who's holding their genitals. Is there a long casual list that accompanies this kind of action? In many cases, this is where rape of the soul spirit and body becomes evident because when you reach for your genitals you may find them gone you have to ask yourself if you gave them up willingly or did someone take them while you were under some hypnotic spell of seduction in other words what's the body count and that number will not lie to you 
Seduction Trickster will promise you a moment of sharing just long enough to coo the sexual emotional life force from their chosen partner. Seductive Trickster is a sensual seduction suck and will leave you high and dry. This is very much akin to psychic vampirism. The difference is that Seductive Trickster spends an energy that doesn't stay connected for very long. However, Psychic vampirism depends upon the connection to stay alive in the life force. Just think of how many people you know who exist like this in their relationships. Staggering thought, isn't it? The difference between seduction trickster and psychic sexual vampirism is a subject that could be debated over a long period of time because there is just a fine line of frequency misuse and it is viewed so differently among so many people. Seduction trickster, when hooked up to the mental, emotional, physical, psychic, and spiritual ethers, part of the human system, becomes the ultimate in violation of misuse of power. Never forget this. When linked this way, connected to the pleasure pain centers, have access to another's cherished outcome of intended action, usually based on not enough or too much. Not enough usually measured as a suck energy, and too much is measured as overkill or some smothering, squashable life force. There are those that use suck and overkill all in one section session of seduction function close to where sacred space is being designed. Seduction trickster is on its way out. A circle of sacred space light has been drawn and a new blueprint minus seduction trickster is being asked to enter a new genetic lineage for planet Earth. The new wave of energy and the new children coming to the planet will depend on those with the seven generation codes to step forward and make a stand concerning violations in the name of coyote or trickster. Physical trickster? Shapeshifter is another term for physical trickster. Anyone who is an actor or actress uses this kind of energy to change his or her appearance, whether it be a dress, makeup, hair, or whatever the physical disguise. A different face or costume to match the accompanying energy. The positive aspects of physical trickster is the ability to shapeshift someone's reality long enough to move them to another kind of awareness. Through movies, television, videos, and theater, this masterful physical trickster energy has now become so helpful in assisting people to remember other times and places of history. Hollywood and Broadway are full of physical tricksters. It's their business. To the mind of the observer, it can trigger a positive or negative response concerning use and misuse of power. The most negative aspect of physical trickster is to deliberately set out to look act, imitate through physical means to coo another's en energy through deceitful or cunning maneuvers. Tribal trickster. 
The Native Americans have coined the coyote or hyoka, and many have called this sacred trickster. And to some, I'm sure it has been their experience to be part of this sacred experience. They have used it as a lesson in humor of opposites. Tribal trickster concerning American Indians teachings is in a category all by itself. The genetics of the American Indians in most cases makes them separate and apart from others. When the leader of a tribe decides to pick someone out to teach a lesson concerning trickster coyote, Hyoka energy, then the leader will gather other supportive energies that will empower the cherished outcome of the leader, casting their lesson to be learned. Many join this group energy out of choice, while others join it because it feeds their own trickster energy. Then there are those that further their own empowering process, which could be some form of soul addiction, a very strong possibility. There is a term called Indian coup, pronounced coup, spelled C-O-U-P, as in gotcha, which can be translated into win and you lose. Native Americans have based most of their coup, depending on their strongest medicine power. They could call on the powers of the four directions, which were north, south, east, and west, and the four elements, which are fire, earth, air, and water. These powers were presented to those on their way to power, and depending on how they could master the energy without being caught, could determine the rites of passage and would set form forth their chosen path of empowerment or cancellation. One of the final tests of power resides in the ability to lead a tribe and pass on the teaching of seven generations by either transmuting trickster or by not allowing it to manifest and have no play at all. Sacred space, when, des when designed with respect, represents the ability for creative sacred spiral to manifest and be passed on to these seven generations. The magic of co-creation happens at the highest possible moment of exalted combustible power, but with the absence of any trickster energy whatsoever. Playfulness and lovemaking, when exposed to fun, happy, light-hearted energy, is permitted, but without the trickster frequency that could harm in any way. Sacred Coyote was, and is, an experience, but now it becomes evident that to take the time to play with trickster at any level could be a waste of precious time. There is nothing sacred about trickster when it has the potential of harming, hurting, maiming the children of the next seven generations. As far as humor of opposites, polarity has had its place, just as Coyote has had its place in history, but then so did Pompeii. Supreme Trickster. You know, it took me a while to name this one. And it might not yet be named for what it really is. This is the combination of holy, divine, seductive, tribal, all rolled into one gigantic power. This lethal combination, when aligned with misuse of power, is truly armed with a special kind of supreme trickster. These self-exalted, self-grandized beings with ultimate power running through their every waking and sleeping moment will break every law, whether it be cosmic or earth, in order to get the results that they want.
Civilizations have come and gone several times because of the combination of this supreme trickster energy when it exalted misalignment. An extreme example of this was recently portrayed in the movie called The Devil's Advocate. One needs to know how to track this supreme trickster while watching this film, which will help to remove the veil of spiritual ignorance. This movie is based on true concepts of spiritual and galactic conquest now being practiced on the planet. This movie is not science fiction, but a, a reality at several levels. There are, there are more supreme trickers now functioning through every walk of life. It may seem that some world leaders possess this attribute, but look closely at those in your communities, whether they be of religious or New Age movements. New cosmic laws have been designed with them in mind, and planetary alignments with different experimental species have created this hybrid of humanity. People born with certain markings can be tracked, monitored, and empowered, are neutralized by beings in a position of power regulation. This is a precise science of cosmic proportions, and only those with genetic codes are even permitted to have access to such knowledge or information. Because of the seriousness of some planet, planet's involvement, a check and balance system has been set up to monitor when an entire planet has been overrun with the overlords of Supreme Trickster. Not many can track at this level, but for those who can, be mindful of this knowledge and let it not corrupt your spiritual nature of observation, and hold this truth as sacred as you hold your next breath. For once you breathe a breath with this knowledge, your, your awareness will accelerate and your art feel will be noticeable to those partaking of supreme trickster tactics. Once you resonate this truth in your soul, you never can go back to not knowing. Hold your counsel with this one, for the one you choose to share this with could be the person that is tricking you daily into some reality of their choosing. Once you turn loose your newfound insight then watch the trickster go into full-blown activity. Be prepared for whatever backlash comes your way. Telling the truth at this level may not serve you. Discernment is a must. History of Supreme Trickster Global Effects History books are full of these people, and history has a way of repeating itself. These fanciful characters have paraded through every known bloodline on the planet. The energetic produced by them in an environment can cause trees to topple and cause governments to fall. To call them a loose cannon would be too kind. Anything or anyone in their past can become a subject of some form of abusive target practice. It has been noted and tracked on several levels that bloodlines that hold certain psychic or starseed coatings seem to magnify their trickster energies by stronger measure than earthlings. So when you meet a star person and they want to show you their magical powers, then just watch, wait, and see how they handle the creative life force pattern, and it will not be long 
until one can gather the fruits of their action or experience the pain of their thorns. Some questions to ponder. When you see one of these supreme textures, are you awed by their presence? Do you become pawns on their chessboard? How do you sell out when confronted with this kind of energy? Where have you sold out before in other lifetimes? How many bloodlines are programmed with this kind of supreme trickster vibration? How many custodial gods play with this kind of knowingness? And again, what price of spirit are you willing to risk to find out? You know, I'm looking at the dates of the, dra of the different drafts that I've written this. My first draft was in November of 90. September of 91, April of 94, April of 95, June of 2001, May of 2003, and June of 2004. And then this final one, I guess, is the eighth revision, and it's here in 2011. So at the end of 2004, I wrote, this commentary on Trickster has been in the making for over 13 years. And through many different eyes and paths have I witnessed the coming and goings of Trickster and Coyote among the people on the planet. Some I learned firsthand and barely escaped with my soul still intact. Others I witnessed as they fell or blew directly into the abyss without a second glance. Over these years, it has been brought to my attention more than once that there are eagles out there flying and they seem to be molting in midair, meaning their feathers seem to be dropping and their flight path is not as smooth as it once was. And in some cases, they are missing an action, MIAs of the eagle kind. There was a time when the gathering of eagles was a priority so that unison of purpose would have a better chance of manifesting. But as I witnessed the trickster energy being allowed to play on the planet without any guidelines, none whatsoever, and beings just set about allowing everything to play, then it wasn't too long until the chaos started to affect the eagles in bird form and in human form. It is with this notice that I finally have terminated all the revisions of this written commentary on Trickster and finally send it out to those that can see through my eyes and can hear the message written in their own language of discernment. This was the last written communication given to Shirley MacLaine on her 60th birthday in New Mexico on April 24, 1994 as part of her discerning message about what energies are allowed to play on the planet. The April 19, 1994 revision copy was given to her at that time because of her interest in Native American tribal trickster behavior. Also, she was preparing to release her new book, My Lucky Stars, and had asked me for my opinion by allowing me to read her manuscript in the last editing days. As I read her manuscript, she was reading my document on trickster. I could tell that it disturbed her in many ways, as she became very quiet and chose not to have any dialogue about it. 
After all these years with Shirley, I knew that this was a sign of in-depth integration. A lot of people have speculated about the absence of Shirley in my life since 1994, especially since we were so close for so many years in the beginning stages of her exploring of metaphysics, as we spent many years in search of adventures, truly the E.T. kind. But as the years have come and gone, and I have witnessed the cancellation and the destruction of really good people, whether they were starseed, walk-ins, or lightworkers, or simply enlightened earth folks, those committed to cosmic balance, whether they were Christian, Jewish, Buddhist, or New Agers, well, I see that they've been abused and cast aside where some might think they have been pushed to the point of almost extinction. I suppose that a lot of this happened because people just weren't awake enough to see the tricksters in motion on the planet. They got caught in their own special weave of spiritual enlightenment. You know the one that Spirit instructed them to do? Well, for whatever reason, a belief, a guru, or God, or even a movie star, enough is enough. We have lost too many eagles in flight. And now the time to have some discernment of frequency is at hand. Who has the spiritual galactic courage to activate their own systems of this kind of knowingness about trickster energy? Why? Because energy does not lie. Only people do. That has got to be one of my very favorite sayings, Lavendar. Energy doesn't lie, only people do. And we so appreciate all that you had to go through to gain this knowledge firsthand. So uh, I'm going to wrap up now, and we will be back uh, three weeks from tonight because we're going to Arkansas for our Starseed Quest. And in that time, take care of yourselves. Remember to hold gratitude and compassion. And we will be back in three weeks. Good night, everyone. You've been listening to Starseed Radio Academy. Visit our website at www.starseedhotline.com. 